What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Pazabon, and you are listening to part two of episode 20 of VGM Generations. And with me this time is Norm Garrett. Yep, I'm awake. Let's go. <laughs> and Aaron Blachuk. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in this series of episodes, we are talking about the SNES or SNES or SNES classic. <laughs> I got to say at least three. Yeah, there's uh, there's more. There's more, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm going to go with a minimum of three. Uh, and it's Norm's turn to go first. So Norm, what do you have for us this week? Uh, probably unsurprisingly, uh, I've chosen a Final Fantasy game, Final what? Fantasy 3. I can't believe it. <laughs> for the SNES Classic. Is that the only one on the SNES SNES Classic? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, not the only Square game. Mm. Secret of Mana is also in there. Uh, so Final Fantasy 3 was the North American version of the game for SNES. It was Final Fantasy 6 for Super Famicom. So... Uh, this is, I've talked about a lot of Final Fantasy games on the podcast so far. I've kind of left this one deliberately because this is, it's it's the best Final Fantasy game. A lot of people agree with that. A lot of people don't, but uh, it's... Is it, it's your favorite? It's everybody's e- favorite? Easily. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, one of my favorite games of all time, like easily. Probably my favorite favorite for super NES? i can't i can't say enough good things about it anyway <laughs> now i just uh, want to know what's above it if it's one of your one of your best what beats this one uh for all games yeah just give me one example uh well breath of the wild probably yeah i'm just gonna say they're tied yeah <laughs> um, yeah so th- this was the this was the final fantasy that i really anticipated i played one liked one Loved two, but kind of fell into two. Two is what kind of brought me into to RPGs, and then three, six is the one that that you know I I wanted to play. I followed its development. I waited for it. I got it the day it was released. So, bit of information about the original release: uh, it was released in 1994 on October 11th for uh, SNES. Um, and I, I remember that day because in <laughs> a red letter day. Yeah. In, <laughs> you know, yeah. In junior in junior high school, it was like I came from a small town I've mentioned before. We had a drugstore called Northern Drugs, which was the only store that sold video games. And they only got a couple copies, right? And I You had to get one. Yeah, I skipped <laughs> school twice my whole uh you know childhood secondary yeah. school. It was once to get this game and once to get uh Nintendo sixty four. So, good choices. Was, yeah, good exactly, choices. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was in retrospect, totally, yeah, totally yeah. worth it. <laughs> Whatever like, you would have learned those days probably was stupid anyway. Yeah, and it wasn't as good as Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> yeah, and I remember for this game, I didn't quite have um, command of my own finances at that point, so I had to convince my dad that this game wasn't a want; it was a need. <laughs> and I think that's the best negotiating I've ever done in my life. But somehow I managed to convince my dad that I had to get this game. And he kind of, he's like, okay, fine. We'll uh, go to the bank and you can take some money out of your savings account. Cause I did have a savings account, but it was like, you know, the nuke keys. Yeah. Parents have to turn the key and then I have to turn the key and then I can get the money. So yeah. anyway, got the game. And just cause of the time of year, October 11th, uh, I must've finished it pretty fast for my, for a Final Fantasy game because I remember being done before Halloween. So Oh wow. Probably like twenty days. But especially when you're a kid and you got school in the way. And, and I yeah, I drew it out. So I must have just hit that game hard. 
because uh, all weekend, yeah. every week. Oh, yeah, after <laughs> school. And I remember, like, this is probably the first ritual in gaming I had. I remember, like, I got at home. I, like, locked my door, made sure I had a TV in my room. I think I, again, negotiated it and just, like... <laughs> created like, this, this is the event of my childhood yeah, yeah oh it really was and uh that's awesome yeah so I'll, enough of that i'll go a bit <laughs> into the game this game obviously had a huge impression on me did you sorry i gotta ask do you remember what you said to your dad to like convince him that this yes. game was a need tell yeah. me okay so one of the courses or one of the classes you take is called it's like a life skills course right you learn how to write resumes you learn about you know taxes and stuff and one of the lessons was wants versus needs right yeah. So that's where I got the phrase. Like I literally said, this isn't a want, it's a need. <laughs> you got to list some wants, list some needs and say, this is in exactly. the need category. Yeah, food, like, you know, clothing, shelter, food, and Final clothing. Fantasy 3. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yep. Maslow, turn it up on its head. That's right. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. So yeah, obviously this game had a big impact on me. Um, uh, bit of information about it, developed by Squaresoft. Uh and uh, composed by Nobuo Uematsu uh, and him. So a bit about the music now. Uh, Nobuo uh, believes this is kind of his magnum opus. It's his favorite soundtrack, I think. What he said exactly was once he had completed this soundtrack, he felt that he had completed his... He felt complete as far as a video game music composer is concerned. And he felt if he'd never composed another game after this he would be fine with it. And once he was done, he wept before there were no more worlds to conquer. Exactly. Yeah. So and, and as as good as the other Final Fantasies and his soundtracks that, that preceded this, um, it, it really shows that this was his, this was his best work. Um, so it was obviously really hard for me to pick a track because there's just so much good stuff. You know, do I do battle music? Cause you know, I love my battle music. There's tons of good battle music. Do I do one of the character themes? Cause I'll get in a bit more into that after the, after the track. Uh, I did sort of pick one of the character themes that's also mixed into the intro. So there's three sort of acts of the intro to the game. And I picked the third act. Um, so let's, let's have a listen. It's, um, the opening act three of Final Fantasy three. Uh, also, uh, it's a remix version of Terra's theme. Thank you. 
this the game with the famously goofy translation? Uh, it's got some goofy stuff. Is, yeah. it, is this the Spoonie Bard one? No, no, because no, it's uh, Final Fantasy Four. Okay, oh, Final Fantasy Two. Yeah. Was this the first Final Fantasy on the SNES? No, that was four. The Spoonie Bard one. This four was like, preceded three. So I know, I know yeah, that yeah. layout's in weird. In Japan, it was four, five, and six on the Super Famicom. Okay, and on the SNES, it was two and three, which were two was four. Oh, I see. Uh, okay, and six was three so five never came out uh to north america at the time right 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 you threw me there (laughs) yeah so i I mentioned that all the characters kind of have their own theme that was one unique thing about this game is there really there were there were main characters but there really weren't they were all main characters um you could swap on the fly which characters you wanted to play, and they all had kind of side quests that played into their backstories. So you could really, you just play whichever characters you liked the most, and it was it was just really cool. Um, I remember reading the magazines before it came out that featured all the different <laughs> characters, and it was just so you had your team picked before you ever touched the game. I had some it. favorites for yeah. sure. Um, who who were your favorites? Uh, well, I really liked Gao, who's this uh, this wild kid who was dropped off in the Velt, which is like, uh, it's like this wildlands area in the game and you kind of have to tame him with, with animal meat before he'll join your party. It's, <laughs> there's so many little quirky mechanics in this game that it's, it's, it's super unique. Like there's an opera scene where you have to like remember your lines <laughs> and yeah, just lots of, lots of cool. There's an auction house where you can get good items and yeah. And, I don't want to spoil too much if people haven't played it yet because you should give it a try. Anyway, um, what's it available for? Like, if I wanted to play it today, where would I find it? Aside from the SNES Classic, uh, honestly, I wouldn't play any other versions. There have been a lot of ports. And yeah. So, like, none of the Virtual Console, or was it ever even on the Virtual Console? Oh. Because, I mean, I don't know what the record is with Square Games and Virtual Console releases. Yeah, I... I think it is on the virtual console, and I, that that would be fine because mm. that'll be the SNES version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's just the Wonderswan color, or like the mobile version, or some such. The garbage. mobile version is a disaster. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it the really? mobile version of this game is just it's really a shame. Like they uh, they did a really bad job, and it's it's Did, unfortunate. Didn't they try and like update all the sprite work, and it was like just ugly? Yeah, they ruined yeah. the whole. They ruined the. Um, cohesion the game had mm. so which is unfortunate but yeah definitely if you can play it on the snes classic do so uh, or the virtual console would be a good way to the steam version is the same as the mobile version so i would avoid that i hope out there right now is some young kid trying to convince his dad that the snes classic is a need and not a want it's so, <laughs> a little tip yeah, if yeah. any of you guys <laughs> do need to convince your parents yeah tell them it's a need. tackle it from an academic perspective say well i learned this in school and then they'll be like oh He's at least uh, studious, so maybe I'll reward him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that some early uh, Final Fantasies were ported to the GBA. Was this one of them? Yes, this one did come out on the GBA. And Uh, how is that? As six. It's okay, um, because I'm so picky about music. This is like my favorite music soundtrack, game music soundtrack. Um, They didn't quite emulate it properly, and it doesn't, doesn't sound good to me. But it's not a bad version well, if you have no choice. Every SNES and Genesis port that ever made its way to the Game Boy Advance 
lost everything in sound. Like sound was just horrible. Because I remember I played, and I've talked about Final Fantasies. I mean, Fantasy Star series, which is my favorite series. There actually was a collection that came out on the Game Boy Advance, and the sound chip could not handle it. it well, we've it talked killed to, those games because of the music. Yeah, we've talked about the Game Boy Advance in general, and yeah. that its sound chip was not good. Yeah, and but games did not sound very especially good. especially replicating those ports. Like in general, yeah. it didn't sound good. But when you took a game that you already loved and that knew had, like, how good it should music, sound, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of killed it. Yep. A little bit. But, uh, all right. So lots of opportunities to play it, but please avoid the mobile and Steam versions if you can. <laughs> go go. just find an, a SNES Classic. They're out there. They're hard to get, but yeah. you can get one. Yeah. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron, what do you got for us this week? All right. The game I'm talking about on the Super NES Classic is Super Ghouls and Ghosts, like all those Nintendo, Super Nintendo games that they just jammed Super in front of, so... I love that. Uh, Nintendo it just always does that. Every yeah. generation. Yeah. Super I, Mario Bros. You. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Super Mario Bros. You or whatever. Yeah. But they just keep, and we talked even last episode about how long their names keep getting with every single thing. But, yeah. you know, even calling, like when the N64 came out, calling something X Game 64, 64 right? Castlevania 64. Yeah. Super All Mario that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's always. Yeah. But anyway, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which was developed by Capcom and published by Capcom. So good to see it on the collection as well. In the year 1991, the uh, soundtrack was composed by Mari Yamaguchi. And the track that I picked is called Ice Forest from Level 5. So surprisingly, I did not pick the uh, well-known graveyard theme that everyone loves. It's basically the franchise song that everyone knows from Castlevania. Yeah, it's not the Castle most famous. The Ghouls and Ghosts. So anyway, um, the... Super Ghouls and Ghosts is actually the third game in the Ghosts and Goblins series. So the original game, which came out in arcade, was Ghosts and Goblins. And, uh, of course, that version also came out on the NES. And then the sequel to that was called Ghouls and Ghosts. And then around the same time, there was this weird sequel called Super Ghouls and Ghosts. And strangely, Super Ghouls and Ghosts and Ghouls and Ghosts are quite different. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought they were very similar. They're not. Okay. Like the uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which also was, I mean, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, which came out in arcade, also had a lot of ports. It never had a Super Nintendo port because they got Super Ghouls and Ghosts instead. They, uh, but the Genesis actually got a port of the original Ghouls and Ghosts. So anyone around the time who played one or the other might have expected one is just a port of the other. And they're not. They're quite different. Okay. And honestly, is I... Is this like a Hyperstone Heist Turtles in Time thing? It, like, is it just a remix or is it like totally different it's levels? It's quite a bit different. Okay. Yeah, it's quite a bit different. The mechanics are different. Like, for instance, this uh, in this series, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, was the introduction of double jump for Arthur. Like, he could double jump in this game and like no other game before that. Was this the one we played at Jordan's that one time? Yes. Okay. Right. I've played through this one All right, game. so I at least have seen this game <laughs> <Yeah>. before. <laughs> I've played through this game a number of times. Like, I had it on uh, Virtual Console, and yeah. I played the original f from the cartridge at uh, Jordan's place. And uh, though I've gotten, like, to the end a number of times, I've never actually beaten this game. Crushingly difficult. Yeah, it is crushingly difficult. And on top of that, like every other game in the Ghost and Goblins series, you have to beat it twice to get the true ending. Yeah. So the first ending is false. You get sent back to the beginning, and then you need to acquire a special weapon to get the true ending of the game. That's brutal. We, <laughs> we got through the first... We did. Yeah. No, that's right. We did get through the yeah. first playthrough. We night. did it once, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I think it was like 3 a.m. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we were like, we beat the game. That's it. Yeah. We, we, 
we count this as good a- enough. <laughs> I'd like to, but now that I've been doing this research, I want to go back and try for a legit, mm-hmm. a, a legit double finish. Fin- you double gotta finish. train for it for sure. You do. Like yeah. it's kind of one of those things where you need to go through every part of it and kind of get the muscle memory. You need mm-hmm. to know where the enemies are going to appear before they appear, essentially. Yep. So, um, what else can I say about uh, super ghouls and ghosts? It is known in Japan as Chomaikamura, which means, literally means, Ultra Demon World Village. So, Maikamura, which is Demon World Village, and so this is Ultra Demon, Demon World Village. <laughs> world Village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, World Village. Demon World Village. I wonder why they Sounds didn't like stick with that one name. one of those like philanthropist organizations. Like, <laughs> yeah, a world village. <laughs> yeah, right. They're raising money for all yeah. the uh, zombies in the graveyard. Yeah, exactly. And the series, of course, is well known for having its main character running around his boxer shorts. As we all know, yeah. you have seen he starts in armor. He gets hit once. His armor goes flying off and he's uh, in boxers. That's got to be like the worst armor in the history of video games. <laughs> a one hit naked armor. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's Just always the way it is. crumbles to like, dust. One hit takes off the armor, one hit, and then you crumble to then a skeleton. Yeah. yeah. Though in games like uh, Ghouls and Ghosts and Super Ghouls and Ghosts, you could actually get upgrades which would allow for extra hits. So okay. you could get like a shield that would, at, would, that would allow for, for more. That kind of stuff. Mm. It kind of and, carried that mechanic into Shovel Knight a bit when you could buy the different armors that would allow you different power-ups. Yeah, but you had a life meter in. You uh, also had a life meter yeah. in Shovel Knight, so a little bit, a little bit more. I'm not forgiving. saying I'm more not forgiving, saying Shovel Knight yeah, yeah. is as hard as Super Girls and Girls. And though uh, that's the character of Arthur, I would say arguably Firebrand or the Red Aramer is the more popular character from the series. He's more well known. Even had his own spin-off yeah. series of games as well in Gargoyles Quest. So Arthur's in the new uh, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. He's one of the playable characters. Oh really? I played the demo, and they've got. Part of the demo are all these, the character intro kind of cinematic sequences, and there's Iron Man and Arthur kind of have it out with each other. It's, it's actually... <laughs> which is which is awesome. It's so goofy, yeah. but it, it's pretty good. Yeah. So check that out if you want. <laughs> right on. Speaking of crossovers, there was also a, uh, in the comic books, there was a Mega Man and Sonic crossover where Arthur and other Ghosts and Goblets elements appear. Hmm. So Mega Man, Sonic... And other Capcom wow, stuff. What so. a weird that's like that's like a Wreck It Ralph style yeah. matchup, you know, just yeah. every video game thing. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I'd never heard of it before, so I went looking for it. It's published under the Archie Comics label and uh since they did all the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff. So yeah. Sonic, Mega Man, and it's not a big storyline. There's basically just a uh, like a page where they're in the ghosts and goblins world and Mega Man characters like intrude on that world. Oh, okay. It's got it's got all of the elements that are there. Interesting. So let's uh, listen to one of the many hard levels in Super Ghouls and Ghosts. This is one of the best tracks from the game, Ice Forest, or Level 5. Thank you. 
say about the soundtrack. So one reviewer had this following to say about the soundtrack for Super Ghouls and Ghosts. He said, With each of Makimura's original scores, Capcom's composers and sound programmers pushed various consoles to the limits to produce high-quality scores. With Makimura, Dai Makimura, and Cho Makimura, the series evolved admirably to refine a dark, action-packed orchestral sound that fitted the scenes of the games. The classic series is especially strong thematically, remembered not just for the first stage theme, but for other striking compositions. The series has demonstrated plenty of diversity over the years with the Baroque-influenced approaches to Makamura for Wonderswan and the Red Aramur titles. The exceptionally, exceptionally ambient score to Demon Blazon Makamura Monshu Hen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the dabs of avant-garde and rock influence in the classic series. All these factors considered, the series has secured the legacy of being one of the most musically and technologically influential video game franchises. That is quite the review. Yeah. <laughs> That, that was actually quite the... I have to congratulate you on your Japanese pronunciation. There's a lot of Japanese in that movie. <laughs> yeah. But remember, like I said, doesn't matter if I'm saying it right, as long as I just you, say it with confidence. confidence. Yeah. It's all about the confidence. confidence consistency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stick with it. And I, uh, I also discovered that on the 20th anniversary of this series, Capcom released a seven-disc, 350-track soundtrack for the series wow. in Japan. So Whoa. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This not only includes the music to all the main series... But all spin-offs like Gargoyle's Quest and every PC and home console port of every version of the game. Oh wow. So this is like a ridiculous, is, ridiculous soundtrack. For collectors. Exactly. For collectors only. But I guess this is like Capcom must be very proud of it. You know, oh, what I mean yeah. they must have a lot of pride in this yeah. series and in its music to put out something like that. Well, funny thing too is I was reading about the various ports that came out for things like the Commodore 64 and the Amiga and all that kind of stuff. The very, very early ones. And because a lot of the consoles were quite underpowered. The first thing that would get sacrificed in a lot of cases would be the soundtrack. So yeah. you'd play it's it. It's an easy way be, to save space. Yeah. And there would be absolutely no music. Yeah. So, so sad. But uh, also regarding the soundtrack is I looked it up. I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could track it down, right? This seven disc. This seven disc soundtrack. Opus. I found one copy for sale on eBay for $600. Ooh. And uh, well, that's s- only like $2 a song. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good deal. But the seller uh, in the description assured us that it was only ever opened once 12 years ago so he could add the track information to the CD database. Oh, so oh, like he, he basically I, he like slid open the plastic, yeah. opened it up so he could add the track information to CDDB and then put it back together and has never opened it since, apparently. Oh, wow. So it's in pristine condition. Yeah. Exactly. So I when mean, you for $600, like when you consider like $2 a track is about what you pay on like a digital service now yeah. for music. So yeah. it's actually not that bad though. <laughs> you got to think like with all of the weird port music and stuff that's in there, some of those tracks aren't worth $2. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying it's not that bad a value. Yeah. Like here's the, uh, Commodore so you're going to go for music. I, you know what I want it, I would love to have it. I would love to hear it. Yeah, you know, I don't. Cool want, I don't want to. I don't you know want to I mean? stoop to like stealing it because I'm sure somebody's ripped it somewhere. But I wonder if somebody has. Like, I wonder how many of those they even sold. Well, it was it was a limited run thing for sure. Yeah. But limited run, really niche. And I wonder how much it was. When really it came hefty. Out. Yeah, no idea. Like it could have been three hundred or something, right? So not too many people probably yeah, even went for it. It's for, it's for collectors. Clearly, collectors like, only, this yeah, is a collector's sure. thing. Yeah, but yeah. pretty cool. All right, I guess that's on to me. So uh, I am doing. The infamous Street Fighter II Turbo Hyper Fighting from the SNES Classic. And uh, I for this one, I picked the Guiles theme uh, just because... And it's also the U.S. stage, uh, however you want to think of it. 
because Guile Steam goes with everything. But we'll get to that <laughs> later. So this was obviously uh, developed and published by Capcom once again. Uh, and in 1993, so we almost covered the early 90s this week with just our three picks. Yeah, and, well, I uh, mean, we're talking about the Super NES classics. So, yeah, 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 it's, it's all going to fall in that 90s. window. That's true. Um, and the music is by the legendary uh, Yoko Shinomura, who we have talked about a few other times on this podcast. Uh, she did the music for Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, thank you. Uh, she did uh, the. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga music. So she's done a lot of great stuff. And yeah. she's done some Final Fantasy stuff as well. I think she did uh, Super Mario RPG as well. So yes, I may she did. Be talking about her. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's a very Sneak prolific preview. composer. So uh, just to go through, because I think it's ridiculous and funny, uh, this is the third of seven versions of Street Fighter 2. So there's uh, Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior. That's the first one. Uh, Championship Edition came next, then Turbo Hyper Fighting, the one I'm talking about, and the one that's on the SNES Classic. Uh, then there was two, the new Challengers, uh, which is, in my opinion, when the game got good because um, the Bruce Lee, what's his name again? Oh, Faye Long. Is that right? Is it? Yeah, Fei Long. Yeah. Fei Long. Yeah, when Fei Long got introduced, that's when the game got good. Aren't you a Street Fighter guy? I'm not a Street Fighter guy. Shouldn't I'm not you a super. I'm not a super. from your memory? I'm not a super Street Fighter yeah. guy, but <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> I'm not really, really into Street Fighter. I got into Street Fighter late with four, yeah. and that's when I started playing it. Um, then there was uh, Street Fighter Two Turbo. Then Street Fighter Two, the Anniversary Edition, and finally Ultra Street or no, sorry, Hyper Street Fighter Two, the Anniversary Edition, and then Ultra Street Fighter Two, the Final Challenge. Yeah, they couldn't let go of two. It was, and that last one is the one that's coming out on Switch. It's not actually out yet, and it uh, has two uh, alternate characters. I think it's got like Dark Ken and Dark Ryu, mm -hmm. which have slightly different move sets. So crazy it's just they can this game will live on forever and keep getting remakes forever yeah so which is pretty funny so you're saying on this one it's uh which which is the one that's on the snes the, classic the one that's on the snes classic is the super street fighter 2 turbo hmm. hyper fighting it's interesting i would think that you know they would go for like the most iconic which i would say is championship edition um it it kind of depends who you talk about um Turbo, so we'll get into it now, actually, probably why they did it. So Turbo, the, the reason it's Turbo is that you can actually play the game in Turbo mode, which basically means you can play it faster. Um, you can, it's it's measured in stars for some reason, and you can ramp it up with four stars regularly, and then if you enter a code, you can get it all the way up to eight stars. So, and I don't know if that means like eight times as fast, because that would be <laughs> like impossible to follow, but eight stars worth of and speed. the hardware even handle uh, just, yeah. You just melt your SNES classic. <laughs> Maybe with blast processing in the Genesis. <laughs> I had, uh, we had uh, Turbo and the new Challengers on the... On the Genesis? On the Genesis. Yeah. Um, so the I think the reason they included this one and the reason a lot of people think this is like kind of the definitive version for the SNES was that you were able to play as the Grand Masters from the previous games. So Balrog, Vega, Sagat and M. Bison were all playable in Turbo. And that's what kind of made the, this game super special. Um, some There was a couple gameplay tweaks, uh, and then they brought back the Barrel Smash minigame that everybody was missing from the arcades in this version. It's so, not as good as the Car Smashing, but sure. Yeah, the Car yeah. Smash was always there, uh, and then the uh, but they brought back the Barrel Smash. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that this one did uh, that you had to do with like a cheat code in the other ones was uh, you could have what are they called mirror matches where basically you and your friend play the same character. So you can see like, you know, if you say like, I'm the best with Ken and then you're like, <laughs> no, I'm the best with Ken. And then let's see. So <laughs> that was cool. Um, and then, but most of all, I think uh, this game 
has those super iconic themes that have lasted through the whole series all the way up to Street Fighter V we're in now. All the music has always just been variations of yeah. these original well, great themes. I, like I said, I'm not a big Street Fighter fan, but I can sing the Guile theme from memory. E- yeah, yeah, everybody <laughs> can, right? So anyway, so with that, let's uh, let's listen to Guile's theme from Super Street Fighter II Turbo Hyper Fighters. Street Fighter always Street Fighter Two specifically always reminds me of is not the uh, home console versions, but the arcade and a specific moment in the arcade where my brother and I were in an airport somewhere and we went to the arcade there and they had a uh, Street Fighter cabinet and which one I can't it was just like Street Fighter Two <laughs> Championship 2? Edition okay. or whatever it was and it, we're playing and uh, this kid walks up and he puts his quarter on the thing and Next game and. And the thing is, to to actually challenge, I think, like to actually oh, fight yeah. against. And I'd never seen that before. Like we'd always played at home on the home console, and so this was my first experience of people like queuing up or even challenging you in the arcade. Yeah. And this kid was some sort of like shark, some sort of ringer. He was a pro. He yeah. demolished us. So. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, I think that was the thing. Is like there is that like generation of people that grew up when. And like Street Fighter 2, specifically all the versions, but like Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition and, and Turbo um, were insanely popular, right? Like they're like people talked about, I watched some videos of people talking about like this game and like there was one in the bar down the street. There was one at the gas station. There was one at the mail at the post office. Like like Street Fighter 2 was everywhere. Like you could play it everywhere. So people like you know, kids, they would, you know, after school on the way home or whatever, stop in with a quarter and Just be like, let's see how far I can get. 7-Eleven. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it was one of those super prolific games that people still remember. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I encountered, I first encountered it. Yeah. At an arcade at the mall, small town. One <laughs> the mall. only mall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was, so I would have been grade seven 
and it was all teenagers playing at the time, so I was pretty small, but uh, I figured it out pretty quick, and then <laughs> I dominated because I found <laughs> out that Chun-Li, Guile can as well, but Chun-Li and Guile can both uh, throw in air, in midair. Oh, when they, they have, like capture, like catch yeah, the guy in midair and then throw. Chun Li like grabs their face and spikes them to, towards the ground. But I figured that out pretty quickly, and then I would just do that over and over again. And people didn't know how to defend, what to do about it. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh man, that kid's good with the girl." <laughs> and then I was like, I was became a legend for like one day, but it was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I, and then I was, uh, I decided I was good at Street Fighter, but. I don't think I was actually that <laughs> good at Street Fighter. Well, I remember we bought a strategy guide for Street Fighter because we wanted to learn the mm-hmm. combos and like what counters what and what yeah. how you actually do all of the moves. And you get these like pages where it would string together like ridiculous the arrows chains. and the buttons. Oh man, yeah, yeah I remember. Like I couldn't to, remember that yoga teleport. I remember I had it written on my wrist like all <laughs> the way up to my elbow, and I still couldn't pull it off. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the the big combos where it's like you know light punch, light kick, this, 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 and like a big chain and then throwing all of the special moves within those chains as yeah. well. And you can't like, you can't slip up on anything. Like yeah. it needs to be a perfect, perfect sequence Precision of commands. Perfect. Yeah. And I've, I've to this day, like I have perfect, trouble yeah. pulling off the stupid dragon punch. <laughs> yeah. Like there are certain moves like, yeah. well, like in, in four and in five, there's like training modes where like you start off and it's like, okay, here's punch, kick you know, heavy yeah. combo, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then it starts to string together the combos. And like, I can only get up to like four, maybe five like sequence combos. And like beyond that, it's like not a chance. And then you watch the pros and it's like, yeah, yeah 38 commands in a row. No problem. Yeah. Like just total muscle memory. Right. Yeah. So, so funny. Uh, I mentioned that final fantasy six is a very quirky game. There's a martial artist character in the game and his special ability is called blitz and you activate Blitz in its turn-based battle like an RPG, and then you just, it doesn't give you any visual feedback, but you have to enter a command, a dragon punch. Yeah. Oh, or, really? Uh, yeah, you, you have to enter a fighting game type input, and then if you do it successfully, he performs like uh, a suplex or a fireball, <laughs> and it's, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's funny how yeah. like iconic the Hadouken um, actions sure become, yeah. the yeah. Shoryuken, and so like basically like down angle and then yeah and then over it's quarter circle quarter circle yeah but it's that's so iconic is that it doesn't matter what fighting game you play you gotta try a quarter circle yeah Yeah, you you do a quarter circle like quarter circle and attack and usually it'll do something in a game because that is the default standard it's totally it's totally true yeah Yeah. he's got like yeah it's called aura bolt and then he does the hundred hand slap as well it's it's awesome (laughs) the e-honda like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, did you did you have any of the Street Fighter Two on SNES when you were a kid? I didn't have them, but I rented them a lot. Okay, so yeah. you you've played these games oh, yeah. quite extensively. Oh yeah. And which which version did you, did you play? Do you remember? I played them all. You played because them all? Okay. I, I I had exposure to it in the arcades before it it existed on console. So yeah. I was like right in there, and then I played all the different versions. I think the best one was the one that introduced Cammy and DJ Fei Long. And uh, T Hawk, yeah. I'm yep. not ashamed that I had a crush on Cammy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the yeah. only on a total weird tangent. The only video game character I can ever remember having like a quote unquote crush on as a kid was in Road Rash, which we talked about I think last <laughs> yeah. week. There was like one female biker, and I remember thinking she was like cute as a kid, and like <laughs> having like a crush on that yeah. one character. That's the only thing I can remember. What about Widowmaker? 
Well, that's that, that's, that's different. That's You're different. an adult now. I'm an adult now. Now I have crushes on everything. You know why her skin's blue? No. Apparently because she can slow her pulse so much that she just doesn't. Oh, she can. <laughs> that's such a know. weird is that, is that the is that explanation? The... I don't know if that's true. Someone, oh, okay. Maybe someone so, proposed it. But I was like, it's because well, she's it actually the grown-up version of Veruca Salt who turned into a blueberry <laughs> in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, to, get back, to get back to Street Fighter. Um, so a little bit of research I did on this game and found some stuff out. Um, there was an interview done with uh, Yoko, and she was talking about when she was composing all this great music, and she actually composed the themes not for the characters, but for the stages. And they were actually meant to be almost kind of like comical versions of the places you were. So like the, the China theme, the USA theme, they're all supposed to kind of evoke emotion of the stage, not the character. But once the game came out, everybody was, oh, that's Kyle's and, theme, that's Ken's yeah. theme, that's thing, Ryu's theme, and then uh, it just It's it to just evoke stuck. the stereotype of exactly, the, yeah. the and, stage. Exactly, yeah. And she kind of, she said she yeah. suggested that the developer, like, what if we make it almost kind of like cartoony mm-hmm. in, in how, how like comical it is? And they were like, yeah, okay, let's go yeah. with it. So mm. the other thing I learned was she also did all of the sound effects, but also all of the voices, <laughs> all of the voices. She's everybody in the games. So, um, and Horror. she's that one even, <laughs> yeah, nice. everything. Even apparently. that one. <laughs> um, she said, uh, one of her proudest moments was, uh, after, um, sometime after street fighter two had come out and it was still in arcade cabinets and stuff. She was in Spain. She had taken, taken a trip to Spain and was sitting in a bar and having a drink and all these little Spanish kids ran in and bolted for the um, Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. cabinet and started playing. And I guess there's uh, E. Honda when he wins, he shouts something that's like a classic. I can't remember what it is, but it's a, like a classic um, um, sumo term for like when they like victory or something mm. like that. And all the kids knew it. And so she felt like some pride because all these Spanish kids knew at least mm. a little Japanese. Thanks to her. <laughs> So I thought and that was very she cool. She even said, you win. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, oh, you could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some heavy uh, modification. Yeah. There. Well, and that's the thing, right? She could have tuned yeah. her voice and stuff like that. So uh, so let's go to the uh, the meme of Guile's theme goes with everything. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, so do you guys know this meme, right? I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just a quick peruse on knowyourmeme.com. Uh, so I didn't know where it started though. And the first clip that it started with, which I found hilarious was, um, you guys know the Mario bros movie, mm-hmm. the 1993 one. Yeah. Um, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Yeah. John yeah. So when Bob Hoskins like first falls into like Mario world, he like, he kind of puts it, he, he puts his hand on what he thinks is a wall and it's actually a portal. And then he like falls like through a bunch of this, like kind of psychedelic, yeah. like As underground. Yeah. Time, yeah. So. And uh, somebody set that scene to Guile's theme, and it is hysterical. It is so <laughs> funny when you watch it with Guile's theme, and the way that it like kind of works, even though it really doesn't, it's fantastic. I don't think I've seen that clip. So that's where it started. Uh, and then it's been set to like just about everything else yeah. since. Uh, a couple of my favorites were two cats that just started fighting as cats do, you know, they're just like lying next to each other and they start. I have seen that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like black and white cat just yeah. go to town on each other. Uh, that one's great. The intro to Walker, Texas Ranger. That one's fantastic. Um, and then um, <laughs> the best one, in my opinion, will never, ever be topped was um, as anyone who's watched E3 before, uh, probably if you're listening to this, you've watched E3 before. Um, everybody knows there's 
been some pretty cringeworthy moments oh, on stage. <laughs> some, all, <laughs> many. All I'm not moments. so sad that they all learned their lesson because yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was a couple bad ones this year, but um, but yeah, lots of cringeworthy moments over the years of E3 on stage, and one of the ones for me was when the Just Dance series was really big. They would always make the devs for some reason come out and dance and like dance to a song and then like two like people who were just sitting on couches in the background would join in and it's this and it's this one where this like really <laughs> like nerdy lanky looking dev and like I don't want to give this guy too much shit like he he tried you know what I mean but like he was never should have done this but they <laughs> said sure it. he never wanted to do uh, it yeah, yeah. Exactly. but they set it to Giles theme Job. and it's magical it's <laughs> magical I I if you're listening to this and you have not seen this clip, just search Giles theme goes with everything and look for the just dance clip from E3. I think it was 2008. Just go find it and just watch it. It's so hilarious. I sat there. I watched the whole thing and I just laughed for like a solid five minutes. It was fantastic. E3 cringes are, I love them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think just dance was a Ubisoft game, right? Uh, yes. And Ubisoft had the worst ones. They always have like the worst cringe moments. Were so. they the ones who brought that comedian in who basically just made everyone, he belittled everyone in the video game? <laughs> I think so, strength. yeah. Yeah, they're really bad. Oh, they God. do so ma- many bad things. Wasn't it even recently that they brought in a bunch of like YouTube celebrities? Somebody did? Yeah, oh, that I'm was this surprised. year. They like brought. They tried year. to bring in a YouTube celebrity oh. and he messed up his lines. And I actually felt bad for him because I think the prompter broke uh. and he didn't know his lines. Mm. And so when the prompter broke, he just started to kind of ad lib and I think he actually said his he said his name but it was the wrong name <laughs> like he was so he was so <laughs> flustered but anyway so the last thing I'm going to say is um the um some of the YouTube clips or the the videos that I found when I was doing research one of them is a series that uh, Red Bull Gaming produced and it's called Digging in the Carts and it's actually all about uh, video game composers mostly of retro stuff and like kind of a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast about how like no one really knew for a long time who composed all this great music. And so uh, if you like this podcast, you'll probably love this series. I watched uh, just the episode of Street Fighter, but I think there it's like they did seven or eight episodes and I'm definitely going to watch the whole thing. So that's Diggin' with uh, D-I-G-G-I-N apostrophe in the carts and you can find it. It's got its own little uh, dedicated website that Red Bull uh, hosted definitely worth checking out really well produced they go to japan they talk to all these people they talk about the history of the games and then they talk about then they just talk to fans mm-hmm. who are like oh man i love that theme and it was mm-hmm. so good and stuff like that so it's fantastic is digging in the carts a reference to anything or is this- i think it just means like you know digging through your box yeah, of games. i just wondered if it was like a specific reference to something but might be but yeah. not that i know of but anyway yeah so if you like uh if you like this podcast you'll probably like digging in the carts all right, so uh, that is it for our, our picks this week. And uh, it's my turn to talk about what I've been playing. And unfortunately, I have been playing Overwatch very predictably. <laughs> so Let's talk about what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah, from last week, right? You started. You said you were going to start. I said that because I had just beaten Uncharted. Yeah, and, and it was time uh, I said to jump I was going to uh, play Horizon Zero Dawn, and I did. The D- is the DLC out? Yes, okay. I have the DLC installed, though I'm not nearly far enough in the game to encounter it yet. But we don't have to talk about my thing. Oh, right, right. Because you, you <laughs> did you restart the game? I did. Okay. Because the last time I played it was nine months ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was prior to... It was prior to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and then so Breath of the Wild took over your out, life. Took out. So I forgot everything. I forgot how to play. I forgot all the moves. And I was about 10 hours or so into the game. Okay. So I said, nope, 
wiping it all out. I'm starting at the beginning. So I'm past where I was originally. And still loving it? No. Oh, really? I have things to say about huh. Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Do you want like, to say them now? Do we want to get into them now? Do we want to keep this podcast going? Because yeah, I can. Sure, why not? Let's go. All right. So uh, <laughs> thing is, is that I like many things about Horizon Zero Dawn, and I'm kind of hoping that I'm still early enough in the game. Yeah, that your it will, opinion may change. Yeah, that my opinion will change. So we have but, to put a big asterisk exactly. on this opinion. But yeah, there are clear influences for Horizon, like that from games that I love. So like Batman Shadow of Mortar is a big influence say like Tomb Raider is an influence, Uncharted is kind of an influence. So you've got all these games that I love and they put all these elements in here, plus post-apocalyptic world, which I love, and dinosaurs, they say which I love. Post-post-apocalyptic? It is, it is very post-post-apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. And I was even saying, as I was playing yesterday, that the, the level of ruin and, and growth and stuff in there is cool because you don't usually see it this far ahead into the future where everything yeah. is overtaken and the remnants of society are almost completely unrecognizable because of how far along it's actually gone. And I kind of love that about the game, but if I want to talk about some of the nitpicks I have, is that it's a beautiful game, but it's so visually dense, it becomes like noise. You don't uh, focus on anything. Oh, it's like okay. Zelda is so clear and where it wants you to look and want you to wants you to go. But for me, this game is so dense and it's good looking. It really is a beautiful game, but everything is so packed together that I just kind of like gloss it over. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. There's just... Like it's a little too, too much, much yeah. on the horizon, and, ironically. <laughs> and it feels like there's a there's too much and there's it's not as focused as Yeah, like so other it, games. it's hard to zero in on stuff. Yeah. Mm. And beyond that, like with the controls, is that like Batman, they put a lot of tools in your belt. They give you traps and mm -hmm. like different weapons and they give you a lot of stuff. And so these combat is supposed to be this big like affair where you plan it out and you pull off all these like cool moves. You but look awesome. Honestly, I'm finding like none of my weapons or traps are useful. Every encounter can essentially, to this part in the game, again, I'm still only about like 12 hours in, can be encountered just by like running in and bumbling through it with just my standard bow and my spear and like nothing else. Oh, really? And so every encounter becomes the same thing. And I like a lot of games like Batman, where you feel like you're in control of the situation, you can go into like these stealth encounters and plan out the whole thing and, you know, yeah. figure it all out. But this one, I feel like I am just stumbling through every encounter. I get into a combat situation it's dodge, roll, stab, dodge, roll, stab, get off a few shots with my bow. And like, that's the whole thing. And that's mm. how I've gotten through every encounter so far. And every time I've tried to use all my gadgets and weapons and traps, it's been largely useless or ineffective. Like they'll, they'll, I, I'm not hurting them the right way or, you know, it's just, it doesn't do enough damage or it doesn't actually have the effect. Like even if I'm trying to shock them and hold them still, like just stuff that I'm trying to do isn't effective. So I'm always, always defaulting back to standard bow standard spear yeah. and even like stealth encounters. And I love like in uncharted four, I mentioned how much I loved like the going into combat and going in and out of stealth. And even in Batman where you're sneaking around the room in the shadows and you're like jumping out, getting a guy and then jumping back in. Well, that's Batman. That's, that's Batman. So and you feel like Batman, you feel in control of Batman. But yeah. in this game, even doing stealth, it's like go to the edge of where the battle is taking place. Hide in the first patch of grass that I come to whistle to call over an enemy. Wait till he's close enough. Stealth, take down that enemy then wait for the next enemy. And mm. like, basically I start building up bodies in one spot because there's really sounds like <laughs> Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of reasons for me. And Assassin's Creed is another sort of influence. And that's yeah. the thing is like in this game, like the climbing mechanics are, are very, very simple. There's not much to it. And I feel like despite giving you a lot of moves, they don't really give you the incentive to use those moves. Yeah. And I, like I said, I probably encountered just the smallest sliver 
of the enemy types in the game. I haven't really encountered a lot of like the bigger yeah, enemy I types. Wonder, I wonder if that's when like the traps will start to become more effective. But I was led into this game like watching the trailers where you go into these combat things and it's like pull off a trap and then a cool move and I want to like jump through the air and do these takedowns and slow-mo well, the, and then slide. Look, the E3 demo always And, and how <laughs> badass it is when you're like doing all of these things in a sequence. Like in Batman where you, you chain together weapons and stuff like that and you use all of them in the combo because they're useful. And they make a lot of sense. But in this, I just file, find like by the time you're in battle, you can't whip out any of these traps. Even the explosives I have do like no damage. So I, why would I switch or use any of these things? Hmm. Yeah, you almost, anyway. Yeah, you almost need like a, almost a combo system like in like a Tony Hawk kind of game, right? Yeah. Where you get stale moves if you use the same thing over and over again and it, or it amplifies them if you do it in a certain order. And Batman and Shadow of Mordor had that. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. And that was awesome because they were actually rewards for like putting as many of your special moves into a chained combo yeah. as you possibly could. And it was great because in Batman you'd like throw your batarangs, do a stealth mm-hmm. takedown, you'd do like a chain to another sort of takedown and you'd, you'd actually throw in explosives and you'd throw in your batarangs, <laughs> you'd throw in like all these cool moves and it was it was good. I mean, obviously Shadow of Mortar ripped that off and did it really well. Yeah. And I just feel like they, like they give you a lot of choice in Horizon, but they don't give you the incentive to use it. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like mostly they, they added a lot in, but not enough of it is effective for you to use on a regular exactly. basis. And I but have I, a lot I, of like cool weapons like these, like the tripwire traps and like explosives where I like launch bombs and stuff like that. But they don't do enough. Enough, yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to check back in with you. Um well, by the time you get through all the DLC, you'll have a yeah. lot of game to play. I, I, sorry but for we'll hijacking to, to what no, I'm no, playing. That's, yeah. that's fine. I <laughs> I was just gonna talk about the Overwatch and the great the greatness of the uh Halloween event this year. And yeah. if mm-hmm. you've listened to this podcast, you know I love Overwatch and Norm loves Overwatch. So we can both talk about it now. He can join me in on uh, in on my obsession. I got like, I love Overwatch. Except today, I got teabagged really bad by Azaria. <laughs> Actually, during the during <laughs> well, the World that sounds Cup, sounds like a Zarya move. Yeah, during the Overwatch World <laughs> Cup, um, I think one player teabagged another player, and they didn't show it on the stream because I heard them say it. They were like, oh, we can't show that on TV. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it must be a oh, teabag. Really? Which is weird it. because, well, I, I mean, they could, but they just didn't. Yeah, because right? teabagging yeah. in games, it's it's a dick move for sure. Yeah. But there's nothing graphic about it. There's but no it reason silly, not right? to show it other yeah. than the, the shame. I think yeah. I think Blizzard just wanted a very professional stream. If you watch the World Cup, I guess I can, we can talk about that a little bit, even though it's not really related to what I've been playing, but it's been what I've been watching. And that was awesome. And Canada did very well. They placed second. Yeah, yeah, I watched it too. It was really entertaining, surprisingly. So, my favorite part, I think, was in one of the final matches, uh, Canada uh, versus South Korea. They, South Korea, put a baby diva, zero suit diva, or diva outside <laughs> of her mecca, whatever you want to call her, Anna put her to sleep, and they're kind of just surrounding her. I was like, what are they going to do? What are because they, they're not shooting her? I was like, what are they trying to do? And then their junk rat comes and throws a trap right where she's sleeping. I was like, oh my God. And then, of course, she wakes up, stands up, immediately gets snagged Trapped, by the trap, yeah. and then they descend on her. It was yeah. just, I, laughed, I laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just toying with them at that part, at that point. Um, but yeah, the Overwatch World Cup was impeccably produced. Uh, there's actually some interesting videos out there about all the tools, the broadcasting tools that Blizzard specifically produced for the World Cup. And they did a lot of work, and I appreciate it. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so we'll have to check back in with you when you get done. So yeah. whenever, I, whenever, not, whenever you do get there, yeah. let me know, and then that'll be your your week to tell us like what said, you think of it once you're all finished. I bought the DLC. I'm only about twelve hours in, and I'm absolutely sticking with it. So. What do you think? It's like a 20, 25? What do you think it's going to be with the DLC? How many hours? Oh, do you shoot. think you'll get out of the? I don't game? know. I was kind of expecting to get about uh, thirty hours or something like right. that out of the uh, game, and so, so I don't know what the DLC. In about 20 hours of game time from now, you can tell us more. <laughs> and like I said, I'm still, I've only encountered really low level enemies. And the way I play games like this is very slow. Like I'm methodical. I like yeah, have you to hit get every point on the map on my way to the quest. So it's like I could go from point A to point B and continue the main quest. But no, I see like this side quest and this side quest and that side quest. And I'll do them all first. So Going for that platinum. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that platinum yeah. trophy. All right. So um, obviously Overwatch and Horizon Zero Dawn are not good games for the giveaway. <laughs> so uh, we're going to add another one uh, from the uh, from the Humble Bundle that I picked up, and that is SteamWorld Heist. Uh, SteamWorld uh, series of games started off with Dig, and then they did Heist. Uh, and Heist is kind of a like a Worms combo XCOM game, if you've played either of those games. I love Worms. Yeah, so it's a, a turn-based 2D uh, shooter in this case. Um, but you know, obviously be being at turn base, you have to like kind of plan out your strategy before you get into a fight and stuff like that. So, uh, very highly rated game. Uh, we're giving it away appropriately on steam. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we have guacamole super turbo championship edition, which is fun <laughs> to make fun of that. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> yep. street fighter two, mm -hmm. and, uh, also steam world heist are the giveaway games and to win those giveaway games. What do you do, Aaron? Tell me. You have to uh, like us or interact with us on social media or give us a review or many, many ways you can interact with us on our many, many platforms. That's correct. Interact with us in any way, shape, or form you so choose on your social media platform of choice. Um, and then, I, you know, I haven't said this in a long time, but if you want to send us an email at our email address, vgmgenerations at gmail.com, com. Uh, feel free to do so. That is good for an entry as well, of course. Uh, and uh, yes, we especially like reviews on iTunes. Those are good for 10,000 contest, <laughs> contest entries or Stitcher, if you're listening to on Stitcher now that we're up there. Um, yeah, so that's it for this part of SNES Classic Month. We hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>